Welcome to episode 21 of the Phillies Focus Pod. Today's show, we will be talking about electronic umps, Trey Turner's turnaround, Taiwan Walker, and some injury updates, and where Bryson Stott ranks amongst second basemen. So without further ado, let's get this show started. Everyone was asked their favorite superheroes. You said Scooby-Doo. I, I didn't realize Scooby-Doo was a superhero. Can you kind of explain his superhero lore? I mean, well, first off, he's a dog, right? And he can talk. That's fair enough. Okay. Alright, welcome to the show. My name's Lucas. I am your host and uh, so the 10 game homestand is over. Had a uh, a lot of ups and downs or some very highs and ended with a, on a little bit of a low note um, to lose the last two to Minnesota like that. But um, So after the no-hitter, I did the uh, Lorenzo no-hitter episode last Thursday. After that, we uh, had another big win to win the series three out of four versus the Nationals on Thursday. Won it six to two. Trey Turner hit another go-ahead home run in the sixth inning um, to continue his hot stretch. So the one that won six to two Friday. Offensive explosion against the Twins. Uh, Dallas Keuchel may have very well ended his career <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, so one on Friday, 13-2. to two. Christopher Sanchez, in spite of his great pitching um, since his uh, call-up in June, um, got his first win of the season. Um, so that was nice. They scored six runs in the second inning. Stott. Real Muto and Johan Rojas uh, all homered Rojas's first in his major league career, albeit against a position player, but <clears throat> a home run's a home run, right? Saturday uh, brought back down to earth. Anytime the Phillies score double-digit runs, you can almost fully expect them to uh, to score less than two runs in the consecutive following games, and that is what happened on Saturday. They got shut down by Pablo Lopez, who was sent to the Twins in the offseason from Miami for um, Luis Soraya's. Um So he really shut them down. The, the Twins won 8-1 to one on Saturday. Lopez went six innings, zero runs, seven strikeouts. Um, the game was just uh, not competitive uh, whatsoever, and Taiwan Walker really struggled uh, with his velocity, which seems to be dropping. We'll get to that in a little bit, more in a little bit. Um, Sunday, the struggles continued uh, against Sonny Gray. Um, very, very, very similar stat lines in, in terms of identical in, in terms of uh, when six innings, zero runs, and seven strikeouts. So same exact as Pablo Lopez. The Twins pulled him after six innings uh, in spite of only throwing 80 pitches, which was very surprising at the time, but it didn't um, didn't end up making a difference. This was the game in the um, in the bottom of the seventh. Bases loaded, two outs. Alec Bohm with a full count um, got called out. Uh, strike three looking on a ball that was uh, probably two or three baseballs off the plate inside uh 
very pivotal moment. Alec Bohm got ejected after spiking his bat and throwing his helmet down. Um, rightfully so. And, you know, that that would have made it a two to one game at the time with Bryce Harper coming up. So, um, just inexcusable by the home plate umpire at that point to to make that call. Um get to that more in just a bit. They did uh so they ended up losing three to nothing. So after the thirteen to two win, they ended up being outscored um thirteen to one in the uh Wow, so they were just on me in spite of winning the first game thirteen to two, they got outscored um on this series fifteen to fourteen. Uh, <laughs> so typical Phillies. Anyway, so they, they ended up uh slightly disappointing after starting the homestand six and two. Um ended up going six six and four on the homestand to improve to sixty five and fifty four, which currently uh has them at first place in the wild card. Um Still up on the Giants, up on the Marlins, and up on the Cubs. So things are looking pretty good. Fangraphs has them at um, over an 80% chance at making the playoffs right now. So uh, just got to keep this stretch going. Um, circling back to the Alec Boom strikeout in the seventh inning of Sunday's game, um, there's a lot of talk about uh, the possibility of electronic umps. Personally, I am just so fed up this year and you're going back several years to uh the amount of just atrocious blown calls in terms of uh called strikes and called called balls and pivotal moments that uh changed the entire complexion of not only an at bat but subsequently a game and um it's just something i think that in this day and age it shouldn't be happening and um uh, a lot of people have opinions about it very strong one way or the other about uh, takeout, t- um, you know, potentially changing changing the game so drastically, the tradition of baseball. And, and I understand that and I respect that. However, um, when you're making those game-changing calls that are based on human error, that we're not talking about peeing in the corners, we're talking about um, a baseball that was six inches off the plate um, that very well could have ended up losing the Phillies of the game. Who knows what happens in the Harper at bat at that point with the bases loaded down one run. Um, so uh, electronic umpiring is being tested currently in triple A. Um, there are some games where it is on a challenge based merit. And then there are some games where the entire game is being called electronically where the umpire will have a, uh, an earpiece in where he's getting the calls and um, everything else is still business as usual. However, there is a uh, robotic um, called strikes, called balls uh, being called. So something that's being tested out, Rob Manfred did say that there is still a lot of issues to be worked out. And after rolling out all the changes um, to this season, he doesn't want to uh, abruptly add more so it does look um, extremely unlikely, if not uh, off the table for 2024, unfortunately. Um, you have guys like Joe Kelly and other various pitchers in the sport that are um, advocating for uh, the the robo-ump at home plate. Uh, <clears throat> and 
you know it it affects pitchers as well as hitters as well when you're when you're throwing strikes that are getting called balls and so on and so forth um so there is a lot of support amongst the players association um to just have balls be balls and strikes be strikes so uh We'll see, hopefully by 2025 at this point, this can be uh, rectified and we can kind of move on to improve the game of baseball and the accuracy of it. Um, because once again, that, uh, that and then to follow it up in the eighth inning and Harper's at bat to, uh, to call him out on strike three on a ball that was definitely closer, but was also definitely outside the zone. Um, so that was a uh, very disappointing way to end the homestand and the game on Sunday, and I would love to see that no longer happening as we move forward uh, with the game of baseball. Um, so with that being said, how about Trey Turner? How about Trey Turner since, uh, since so before the ovation, Turner had dropped down to batting uh, 235, um, with a 658 OPS, um, that was right on par, as I mentioned earlier, um, earlier in the season with, uh, Shea Langoliers from the Oakland Athletics, They're the Oakland Athletics, the league worst Oakland Athletics catcher was, uh, had better offensive numbers than Trey Turner. Um, so this was before the ovation. So since the ovation in the last 10 games, he's hit safely in all 10 games, 10-game hitting streak. He has 17 hits, six doubles, two home runs. Uh, They were both late-game go-ahead home runs um, as well, and he has 10 RBIs. Uh, So he has raised his batting average uh, since the ovation in the last 10 games, 17 points uh, from 235. To 252, he has, now this is the most impressive to me, he has raised his OPS by uh, 43 points from 658 up to 701. First time he's got his OPS above 700 uh, since May, since early May. Um, So once again, I, I spoke a couple episodes ago about how great I thought the ovation was and how the uh, the attention to the mental struggles that he's been dealing with, um, I thought Philly handled it, could not have handled it in a better way, which is so much progress, I think, from this fan base into uh, to adequately supporting their team in a, uh, a justifiable way. Um, so, yeah, once again, I just, it's so cool to actually see the results in black and white playing out. He looks like a completely different player. He's and he only had six strikeouts as well in the last ten games, which uh he was having six strikeouts in two or three games and um many stretches before that. So just so much progress. You can tell that a weight's been lifted off of him and um he just looks so much more comfortable. He's not he's not chasing in the capacity that he was. He just um is a a smoothness to his game that uh, was previously unseen in a Phillies uniform. Um, so I'll keep keep keeping tabs on that. Um, hopefully he keeps the hit streak going. How cool would that be if he can get this hit streak in the twenties somehow? And uh, the narrative can be around that the ovation, the post ovation hit streak. That would uh, that'd be really something. So hopefully he keeps it going. But again, 
Batting average up 17 points. OPS up 43 points in just the last 10 games post-ovation for Trey Turner. Um, so I mentioned on Saturday the uh, when the Phillies lost 8-1 to um, how Taiwan Walker was struggling with uh with velocity his velocity has been dropping early in er, early in games uh he is there has been a downtick that has slowly been coming up through the innings um that didn't really happen on Saturday it was his uh lowest average velocity all season um by several mi- miles an hour so there is concern about um having a dead arm at this point in the season and and hitting a wall um traditionally Taiwan Walker has been a, a rather poor second half pitcher throughout his career, so there are there is growing concern. It seems that um, that there is a lot of fatigue starting to set in. Um, we are in the dog days of August, mid August, when um, the tolls of the season really start to catch up to many players. However, um, this is not a very encouraging sign. Hopefully. The Phillies are hoping that just a little bit of extra rest can do the trick. That seems like um, very wishful thinking uh, to me. I do um, see a potential uh, IL stint in Walker's future if uh, if I were to bet on it. Good news is with the Lorenzen trade that that does afford us some flexibility um, in as far as pitching depth with uh, with how well Christopher Sanchez has been pl- uh, pitching. Um, so it won't be the worst thing in the world, I don't think, to uh, to kind of shut Walker down a little bit, kind of similarly to how they handled the Wheeler situation at a similar time last uh, last summer as well. Um, so uh, as of now, they're gonna push him back a couple days in the rotation. He might miss a full a full um, go through in the rotation. It does not look like he'll be pitching this week. Um, so for the time being, just going to give him a little extra rest, revisit the situation, see how he's feeling, see where the velocity's at, um, and so on and so forth. Because uh, as far as Taiwan Walker has been mentioning, um, he feels he feels just fine. Um, there's not pain or discomfort or anything of that matter. Um, just kind of seems like maybe maybe some fatigue is setting in. So keep tabs on that I guess by the time I do next episode he will not have pitched again so um we'll see kind of where he's scheduled at uh by this time next week um so speaking of potential injury or injury concerns slash injuries uh Christian Pache seems to be making a lot of progress in his rehab he um he is well on his way to returning he has made Three appearances with single A Clearwater. Um, he is now with the team in Lehigh Valley and triple A. Um, he's going to play um, the rest of this week. There is a possibility that he can uh, make his return this weekend um, in Washington slash Williamsport at the Little League World Series game. Um so, uh, good things on that front. If he doesn't return this weekend, look for him early next week when they um, when the Phillies return to Citizens Bank Park again in a very big wild card series against the uh, the Giants. 
Um, so Pache will be coming back soon, bearing any set pack, setbacks. Um, Jose Alvarado uh, threw to live hitters on Friday, and he is beginning. Um, he's scheduled to begin his rehab in AAA Lehigh Valley tonight, um, and then he will pitch again on Friday, uh, according to Rob Thompson, if all goes well. And then after uh, his appearances tonight and Friday in AAA, he could then return um, to the Phillies again potentially this weekend. More likely look for Alvarado um, to be returning in the Giants series next Monday through Wednesday um, at Citizens Bank Park. So getting a couple key players back. Things are looking up in terms of... um, their recoveries and the Alvarado thing, as I mentioned before, could end up being a blessing in disguise in regards to uh, kind of keeping him fresh. And um, as we head into this home stretch and in October, he's a guy that we're going to heavily lean on um, in tough moments. So the lack of workload could could end up being beneficial. Um, we shall see. Uh Let's see, Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh, uh, he is he is progressing as well. He has been, he started taking swings in batting practice. He's doing defensive drills. He is running and he is throwing. Um, so everything is going in the right direction in terms of that, that knee bruise that he suffered running into the outfield wall. And um, look for him. They, they said it uh, could be about two weeks out, but the way things are going... I believe he should be returning at some point next week, whether it is during or after the Giants series. We shall see, but um, they do have an off game on Thursday. So realistically, I I look for next weekend um, Brandon Marsh to be returning. So the Phillies will have some roster moves to make at that point. Um, Weston Wilson should be demoted um, or optioned, I should say, when Pache comes back. And then once Marsh comes back, they're going to have a, a decision to make. I, I I presume at this point, Jake Cave should be the odd man out. Um, it doesn't leave much flexibility at first base. Uh, I guess, you know, Alec Bohm and, and Bryce Harper, hopefully Harper can start to transition to an everyday role there. Um, that would leave us with a, an outfield of, um, obviously, Castellanos, Marsh, and Schwarber. Get Schwarber out of there to DH in, put Marsh in left, keep Rojas in center, and have Pache as a utility um, outfielder off the bench is what I believe the Phillies are hoping to do down the stretch and heading into October. So all good things uh, looking as far as the injury report with Pache, Alvarado, and Marsh. Hopefully they should all be back Um couple of them by this weekend and all three of them at the latest by next weekend at this point um and then knock on wood uh could be fully healthy uh heading into the end of august which there's not many teams that could say that fully healthy um obviously without hoskins and painter but um yeah i still expect to see hoskins play this year fully expect that with the way things are going so Keep tabs on that. See so yeah, how that's going. I did want to also touch base on Bryson Stott and the season he's having. I mean, at this point, um, you know, Castellanos 
had a great first half, a horrendous July, and now is having an awesome August. But I think uh, due to his struggles in July, I think Bryson Stott has overtaken Cassianos for the uh, position player MVP of this team so far. He is well leading the team in um, in war, wins above re- wins above replacement so far this year. Um, in addition, he is tied for fourth in uh, in all of Major League Baseball in second baseman war. Um, I kind of, he would be tied for fifth. I kind of removed Mookie Betts from the equation just because he's kind of a, seems like a stopgap second baseman until the Dodgers figure out what they're doing there. So I don't think of him as a traditional um, long-term second baseman now. So I did remove him as he was far and away in number one um, as far as second baseman war. So removing Mookie Betts from the equation, that puts uh, Marcus Simeon of the Rangers at number one, who I do believe is is the best uh, second baseman in the game right now. I was surprised Hassan Kim from um, San Diego, who I didn't realize was having such a great year, is um, having a really, really good year at second base. He is at two right now. And then Nico Horner, of the Chicago Cubs um, is also having a really good year, and he reminds me a lot of Stott in terms of uh, his duality of um, offense and defense and the uh, consistency and the above adequacy at, at both categories. So he's at three, and then comes Stott tied with uh, Luis Arise. Shocked me to see Stott tied with him, and then Ozzy Albies, who's having just an explosive offensive year. I mean... I guess everyone in Atlanta basically is, but um, yes, Dodd is tied in war with both both Arise and Albies. Um, his defense is substantially better than both of them. Um, his defense is better than everyone on this list outside of uh, Nico Horner. Um, so that does bring into question: Where do you think uh, that Bryson Stott? ranks as far as second baseman in the game he's right up there with all these guys i i would take him over hassan kim um he's right there with nico horner uh at this point in his career he is behind marcus simeon um and obviously arise and albies but moving forward in terms of the trajectory of their careers um he's kind of right there he could his future could um could end up being the best second baseman in the game for a period of time. I mean, there's been a lot of comparisons to Chase Utley throughout his uh, the last year or two, um, which I think have been a little bit unfair to Stott in terms of putting that pressure on him. However, with everything that he's been doing this year, there it's looking um, somewhat valid. Uh, still a long way to go as far as that's concerned, but... Um, yeah, you got to love his defense shifting over from shortstop last year to second base after the Trey Turner signing. Um, one of the best defensive second basemen in the game right now and uh, has been the Phil- Phillies' best hitter um, for most of the year. He's just under 300 right now. I think he's fourth in the National League in batting average, um, showing some propensity towards power at this point of his career starting to uptick he has his uh career high in home runs now after this uh this past weekend um or friday yeah friday 90 homered against minnesota um so yeah uh bryson stott definitely team mvp as of now and 
trending towards one of the game's top five second basemen. Um, and I think a year a year or two from now, we can be having a realistic conversation whether or not he's the best second baseman in baseball. So awesome, absolutely awesome development from Stott. Um, the young guys on this team are really, really taking steps forward with Stott, Bohm, Brandon Marsh, um, and so on and so forth. Now that we got Rojas in here playing great baseball uh, since his call up, um, a lot of good uh, development, a, a, a huge change to the Phillies' development sy- system that for so many years was um, not even treading water, was amongst the worst in baseball at, at developing young talent. Um, there seems to be a, a major shift in in how that has gone about in the last um, handful of years or so. So a lot of uh, encouraging things on that front. Um <clears throat> I'm going to bring back now a segment I had been doing, a mix between future Philly Focus and former Philly Focus. Today I will be doing former Philly Focus. Um, Y'all remember Jonathan Singleton. Jonathan Singleton, former Philly's top first baseman product who was stuck behind Ryan Howard, so the Phillies did not have a place on the roster for him. Um, He was a top 50 prospect in the game. I think he got as high as top 20, um, along with Jared Cozart, who was a top 50 prospect in the game as well. They were the Phillies' first and second-ranked prospects in the summer of 2011 when the Phillies had the best record in baseball, best pitching staff in baseball, and a lot of uh, talk about their offense was just about average that they needed a right-handed bat. So the premier right-handed bat in the market at the time was Hunter Pence from Houston, in which the Phillies traded both Singleton and Cozart for Hunter Pence, a very high sell at the, um, or high price tag at the time. However, neither Singleton nor Cozart developed into anything special um, for the ensuing years. However, Jonathan Singleton does seem to be uh, making a little bit of a comeback all these years later. What was that, 2011? So 12 years later, after Singleton um, had very little major league uh, games played up until this year, he is making a little bit of a comeback down in Houston after uh, a brief stint with Milwaukee. The Astros are giving him a second try, so he was just absolutely raking the ball in Triple A uh, for the Astros minor league team, batting three thirty three with a, a one thousand one hundred and thirty eight OPS in route to twelve home runs. Um, so since his call up with Houston, he is providing them with a little bit of offensive pop at first base because uh, Jose Abreu, who was signed to replace, um, I can't think of his name right now, but he was signed as the Astros uh, or. Guriel, Yuli, Yuli Guriel went to the Marlins, and the Astros replaced him at first base with Jose Abreu to uh, hopefully add some offensive power, and he has just been um, one of the worst hitters in baseball this year. So he is on the IL, giving Singleton a chance to uh, step in there and do some things. So in 14 at-bats with Houston, he has two home runs, um, with a 1,064 OPS so far. So adding some pop to that first base side in Houston that desperately needs it. So Jonathan Singleton, all these many, 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 many years later, 
getting a chance in Houston. Uh, so we shall see how that works out. Uh, wish him the best of luck. So that was former Philly Focus. I think that just about does it for today's episode. As always, thank you for listening. Um, please give uh, the show's page on Twitter a follow. That is at Philly's Focus on Twitter. Uh, let's see, looking ahead to this week's slate of five games, two off days this week. We were off yesterday, and we will be off again on Thursday. And in between now and then, got a, a short two-game series da- up in uh, Toronto. Uh, tonight, we got Zach Wheeler going against left-handed pitcher Kikuchi, um, who's having a really nice series or a season for Toronto at 9-4 and four with a 3.53 ERA, so... Tonight could be another offensive struggle for the Phillies. We'll see what they're able to do. Hopefully Wheeler steps up and has a a needed ace game after back-to-back losses. Um, Both 7 o'clock games tonight and tomorrow. Tomorrow we got Aaron Nola trying to continue to work on turning around his so far subpar season. Excuse me. So Aaron Nola goes tomorrow night against uh, AL Cy Young candidate uh, Kevin Gossman, who is uh, leading the league in strikeouts and having a um, very, very good season for Toronto so far. So quick two-game series followed by an off day, followed by heading down to Washington for the first two of the series. Washington does not have any of their pitchers um, listed so far, um, and the Phillies have... Michael Lorenzen following up his no-hitter against Washington on Friday night at 7. Saturday at 4 o'clock, the Phillies should be sending Christopher Sanchez. Um, And then Sunday in Williamsport for the first-ever Little League uh, World Series Classic. Sunday night on ESPN, 7 o'clock, the Phillies will be sending Ranger Suarez to end out the week. So five games on the slate this week. Um be great to sweep Toronto um, realistically they'll probably go one and one and then two of three from Washington um, so three and two week would improve us to 68 and 56 I would take that at this point in the season um, so that'll do it for episode 22 of the Phillies focus pod as always thank you so much for listening and I will be back next week um, for episode 23 and we will see where we're at then so Y'all take care and go Phillies.